0: And I think, like, in order to find the beauty within, you've got to get away from the other voices. And you've got to get into your own head. And you've got to get off Instagram. You've got to get off social media. You've got to get off with broadcasting the beautiful moments in your life. And you've got to balance that with unbroadcasted moments. Moments that nobody sees. Moments that you'll never have proof that anybody likes it. Or there's no engagement. It's just you kind of doing you.
1: Hello beauty, yes you. Join me, host Joyce Platon, as I chat with today's beauty, wellness, and lifestyle visionaries. Let's discover their motivating journey together as I merge my love for the art and my passion in revealing one's true inner beauty. Hi everyone, welcome back to Hello Beauty. Our special guest today is Annie Tevelin. She's a fellow podcaster. Her podcast is called Off The Record. And you can listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast apps. She's the founder of Skin Owl and Parliament Project, and we will definitely dive deep into her story. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so
0: much for having me. I'm so excited (laughs) to have
1: you, fellow podcaster. Yes. You know, I've just been like listening to your podcast, and this morning I listened to the one about your parents. And... Obviously, I don't know everything about you, but that made me feel like I knew you already because of just, I had a sense of how you were brought up, your childhood, how your parents are, their personality. So kind of like in a sense that trickles down to like your personality, where did you get, you know, certain traits. So I want to actually know more a bit about you for like our listeners sake where did you grow up and how you like as a kid and I know uh, my favorite story actually was like, I don't know if you're talking about it, Like you mentioned like you're like seven years old or like 12. You said, Oh, subtle, that word. You went home and said it's subtle or something. I mean, So that's really like,
0: hilarious. How much time do you have? <laughs> I, so, okay. I was born, I was born in Washington, DC. I grew up mm-hmm. in Northern Virginia. Um, you know, kind of like upper middle class. Mom was a teacher. Dad had a law degree and was working like for mm-hmm. the government. Um, older brother, four years older, who I looked up to, still look up to immensely. Um, And, you know, I'm 38. So I was born in 81. So I grew up in the 90s. -hmm. I was, you know, listening to Nirvana and listening to Pearl Jam and um, the Beastie Boys and just living that kind of East Coast life. And, you know, my parents were very much interested in having me be a part of activities. So, I mean, I did, I was like on a bowling league. I ice skated, Mm -hmm. I danced, I, I never did like the normal sports that everybody did like gymnastics and soccer. I was like in a pottery group (laughs) and like on a bowling league. So, you know, I feel like my parents just wanted to keep me busy, so to speak, so that I stayed out of trouble. But I think being the younger child, um, I think for anybody that has an older sibling, especially one that they look up to Mm. so much, it was like, I wanted to be like my brother and I wanted to be as smart and like charismatic and funny as him. And sometimes like I just like that subtle story. I swore to God, I was like, I swear that word is pronounced subtle. And my parents were like, it's subtle. It's subtle. It's pronounced subtle. And I'm like, no, like I just kind of wanted a voice as a young kid because Mm. I think I gave so much of that. I, I wanted to be so much like other people that were older than me.
1: Yeah. And then you, when your brother said, Annie, it's subtle, silent B. And that's when you actually listen and stop. Yes. It's like you weren't listening to your parents the whole time. You're still arguing. Yes. But when your brothers, cause you brother, because said you said you look said up to your B. brother, right? Yeah. He said
0: it's the, the B is silent, like in dumb. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to come for you one day. And I swear to God, it's not going to look pretty. And I haven't, <laughs> that day hasn't happened yet, but it's okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And you did mention that, you know, um, they put you in all these activities just to keep you out of trouble. Were you a troublemaker? I wasn't
0: a troublemaker, but I think, you know, my mom was a teacher. So if anybody out there listening has a mom that's a teacher, Mm -hmm. they don't – there's no shit that they haven't seen. And my mom was, you know, very interested in her children being highly educated, her children having integrity. My father obviously was very invested in these things as well, but it was – it just was like an understanding in my house that like you didn't go to the mall and just hang out for hours. You know, you weren't like smoking cigarettes down on the hill next to the school. Like you were going to be, you know, involved and a part of the community and you say please and thank you. And I think like it was, it was a normal upbringing. Like everybody in my community, there was a lot of people that were doing the same things and a lot of kids who had this kind of the same outlook on life Mm -hmm. um but yeah I always knew that like I didn't want to stay in Virginia I think they also raised me that way like Mm -hmm. I was a part of so many things that I knew that there was like such a wonderful maybe journey for me down the road
1: Mm -hmm. why LA I
0: so I was a um my god I actually Someone recently asked me this and I was like, wait, I don't remember. (laughs) But okay, so I was a film major. Mm -hmm. um, And the reason for that was I was in, I was a film major at Indiana University. And this was at the time that MTV actually had like music videos. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a show at the time called uh, Making of the Video. And I was obsessed with it. I was obsessed with NSYNC growing up and boy bands (laughs) and specifically NSYNC. And they had a making of the video with this awesome director named Wayne Isham. And I was like, wait, you can do that for a living. People can like, I was obsessed with music my whole life. And I was a musician and I was like, I, I, that's what I want to do. Like that was the first time in my life where I was like, I'm now, I'm now witnessing someone doing something that I want to do. And so Mm -hmm. Um, I turned my focus and my degree to like production and design and, um, I applied, I lived abroad my junior year of college in London and I came back and I was like, I cannot live in Virginia for the summer before going back to school. Like maybe I'll apply for an internship in LA and Quentin Tarantino had a music video and commercial production company, um, which has unfortunately since folded. Uh, but I was like, I'm just going to apply to that in DreamWorks And like, let me see if I can get an internship. And two of my guy friends from college wanted to move to LA too. So we were like, well, I'll be roommates if we get an internship. And I got a call back from the company, which was called a band apart. And they were like, we don't normally ask interns to relocate because it's unpaid. But like, if you want to come here, sure, do it. And um, I moved back from London in late April and I moved to L.A. in May and I was there for the summer. And then the same company hired me after I graduated.
1: That's cool. And that was
0: like two weeks after Mm -hmm. I graduated college. And that was 16 years ago. Mm
1: -hmm. At what point did you decide to get into the beauty industry? Because I know you have a makeup artist background and you've just since then been in the beauty industry.
0: Yeah, I think being on music video sets, you have access to makeup artists. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just always, I think from like i was a child and my mom would get like the gifts with purchase from clinique and estee lauder and i would always fish out all the makeup and just kind of play around and i wasn't someone who wore a lot of makeup as a as a kid or even in high school i was a swimmer so there was no point in me wearing makeup really ever but i remember just being so attracted to the idea of how beauty can make you feel better when you apply it mm-hmm. and how you know, it can enhance you. It's not meant to cover you up. It's meant to like enhance the Mm -hmm. features that you already are kind of feeling about Mm -hmm. yourself. And so, um, I was drawn to the makeup chairs and drawn to, you know, just the application process on set and started shadowing makeup artists and just watching what they were doing. And, um, unfortunately at that time, the music video industry kind of bottomed out a few years later because of Um, Napster and copyright infringement and all of that. And so um, I uh, got headhunted by Mm Longcomb and who had seen some of my work and they were like, hey, you should work for us and worked behind the counter for a little bit to pay my dues and then worked my way up with them and just got really obsessed with beauty. Mm. And also at the same time, because of the ingredients, unfortunately, that was in the Longcomb products, my skin totally freaked out. So that was the beginning of my love of skincare.
1: Yeah. And I know that with your episodes with Off the Record, you talked about acne. Talk to me about your journey because you, I see that you have beautiful skin right now. It's Thank you. It's very radiant. It's been a long road. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of like women battle, you know, with acne, even with just cystic acne, hormonal acne. It's like, you know, growing up, you never have acne. And all of a sudden when you turn 30 or whatnot, yeah. that's when everything pops out for no reason. Yep. Or they just like randomly... Come out in like groups, right? yeah. And you're out like there to kill you, absolutely. <laughs> like I feel like I was
0: so miseducated. It yeah. was like high school's the time that you're going to go through acne, mm-hmm. and once you get out of high school, you're you're saved. Like you're free. You don't ever yeah. have to worry about it again. And I had never seen people older than me with acne. Mm-hmm. You know, so it seemed like at the time such a new phenomenon. Like, wait a minute, there's something called adult onset acne or hormonal acne. Mm-hmm. Like I thought acne was just. Because you didn't wash your face before you yes. went to bed, and it was bacteria related. Or
1: a or like that. Yeah,
0: I think, you know, for anybody who's ever worked behind the counter to makeup uh, for a makeup brand, you have to wear a full face every day. So I had on the full skincare line, and then the concealer, and the foundation, and the bronzer, and the blush, and I mean. It was not the best ingredient deck. You know, there were there was preservatives and parabens was the least of my worries. And there was um, colorants and fragrance and all of these things in a highly unregulated industry that with the daily use of it, I was like a proactive commercial. I mean, I literally my skin was like down my neck, on my back, purple. When you have fair skin, your acne is Mm dark pink and purple. And if you pick at it once, it never goes away. Like Mm. you're just stuck with it. And, you know, I was in the industry, so I had people at Clinique and, um, you know, different Sephora brands being like, try this, try this, try this. And it it was okay. Some of it worked, but um, I was about to go on Accutane and I was like, I think I should look a little bit deeper into this. Um, Maybe I can go back to school and like learn about ingredients and like maybe I can make my own product that would like help my own skin. And I Googled cosmetic chemistry and um, like a graduate certificate. And it came up at UCLA, had one of the top programs. And it was just like a graduate program. It was like a certificate. And um, I was like, this is crazy. It's like literally in my backyard. And I went through the program three times because chemistry was never really my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned everything there was to learn about what is kind of marketed to us as working versus what actually works on acne and took to my kitchen and created a product that, um, I still, that's the exact same formulation, exact same ingredient deck as it was five years ago. And I had a Facebook group at the time called skin owl and I was the skin owl. So I was like the messenger of wisdom in a very confusing industry. (laughs) And it was my alter ego. And I shared my before and after photos and people were like, holy shit, I can't believe what that mm. product just did to your skin. And that that was the beginning of Skin Owl. People were like, can I have that for my daughter? Can I have that for myself? Mm. And this is before Instagram and, yeah. you know, where you could like buy followers and all of these things. It was just like such an innocent group of people who wanted a place to turn for their beauty ad- advice.
1: Yeah, because I think – um back in the day we weren't even really thinking about ingredients we're just saying okay we put in like you are saying like lancome or whatever brand because you know everyone's buying it it looks pretty we put in our skin or like and we break out we don't think we don't think it's the product that has something wrong with it we think it's just us like oh it's just not for me or or what's wrong with me how come it's not working absolutely yeah we just have that kind of mentality before and but right now it's pretty interesting that With all these information that's really available to us and you also being like, I I, I guess, like in the forefront of it, being able to actually go through that experience, Mm -hmm. like it's actually valuable because... I mean, with the, did you treat your skin through just the skin um, skincare yeah. routine? No, like, lasers, no. no dermatology.
0: I would go to this. I, Kate Somerville has, mm-hmm. like, a little um, facial spa here, and I went to get, like, blue light treatments. Mm-hmm. But it was so expensive, and I was yeah. so broke that it was like, you know, I would go maybe once every four to five weeks and get one blue light treatment, and it would make me feel good. But anybody who's ever had light treatment before knows that you need to do it, like, a lot more than that and a lot more consistently. So, you know, I think it did help, but I scratched everything in my bag. I mean, I threw away very expensive product from like the big box department stores and yeah, tossed it all away. And I used a cleanser from Whole Foods. It was a cleanser by a brand called Everyone. Mm -hmm. And it was like a yellow cleanser, super balancing didn't make my skin worse and Mm. like definitely made it better. And then I would throw on the geranium beauty drops literally like any moment that I was home, I would put it on my face and days turned into weeks and 32 days. My acne was gone.
1: That's crazy. It was I mean, it was honestly like
0: I it was such a counterintuitive moment, too, because it was an oil Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I had been taught like, you know, put oil on your skin and that's what makes you break out. But it just my skin had never really been nurtured like that. Mm -hmm. And I had always gone so heavy into this salicylic and the acid and that let's go on Accutane and let's like strip Mm -hmm. my face off as opposed to like, I wonder if I could heal this a different way. Mm-hmm. And that changed everything, literally.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Talk to me about Skin Owl and your skincare products and what's its philosophy oh and how God. many products you have. What's the whole range?
0: Yeah, I think like, you know, I never went to business school. We There are no investors. You know, every dollar that we make, we put back into the business. And um, everything is done out of my home. And it has been for the past five years. I mean, we are a growing brand. We're an international brand. I have a team of people and we make formulate label mix everything out of my house so my husband goes off to work you know the kitchen turns over everything is done manually so there's the carbon footprint is very low it's not we don't have factory costs we're not outsourcing that kind of a thing we have manual dollies and we get the product and we get the raw ingredients and we mix it and we fill it and I have never in my life seen something so efficient as the way that my team can operate Mm -hmm. because one second they're filling and then the next second they're doing, you know, in store skin consults or they're doing videos on our Instagram or they're doing photography. I mean, everybody in the company and there's only five of us knows how to do everybody's job. Yeah. And it's like this really cool moment in time where it's a fan. It's a family. Mm -hmm. Um, there's so much love put into these products. It's vegan, cruelty free, um, you know, mama safe. And, uh, and there's something that happens when you hand make a product Mm -hmm. and in terms of quality control. Um, but it's like a series of oils, um, like a whipped face mask. Uh, The eye cream is like a cult favorite. We have a neck uh, concentrate and a body oil. We have a bunch of different oil-based highlighters that are all inspired by very um, kind of loving, healing crystals. And yeah, it's it's streamlined, but it's also like fun. And I think that that's what we're all about.
1: I know that a lot of beauty brand businesses dream of being funded by like some venture capitalists. Do you think you will eventually go that route? Because of course right, right now everything is made with love, and made in your kitchen yeah. and all that thing, very controlled, and especially the ingredients as well. And sometimes we know that if there is funding, a lot of people can step in and you know give their opinion. Yeah. And just for the effectiveness and the the quicker route, right? They start yes. manufacturing certain ingredients yeah. and also the whole production line. Do you think you would be interested in that route? Yeah, I think if you
0: were to ask me that two years ago, I would have been like, definitely not. And I mm-hmm. and I pride myself on that answer, but I will say I also think I was very ill educated in the many ways that someone can invest in your company. Mm. It doesn't need to be, you know, the the old guy with the white hair coming in who like takes everything and sends everything to Procter and Gamble and completely deteriorates your message and your thought and um, and changes the packaging like. There are so many amazing companies and women-owned companies that are funding small businesses to keep the integrity of the brand, and I I didn't realize that I didn't see how um, kind of uh, how how much of that is happening in the industry. You know, you can have a venture capitalist invest, and it can be thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars just so that Skin Owl can have an office and get out of the house. There's That's nothing right. wrong with that. There mm-hmm. are companies out there and factories that aren't. Completely taking all of your formulations and saying, "Okay, well, that's nice that you're using that argan oil, but we're going to use our argan oil," and then it um, debases the value of your product. Or, you know, customers are savvy; they realize when when a formulation has changed. They're not idiots; they get really shitty about it, and as they should. So, I've always tried to be very transparent with our customers. And if we discontinue a product, I've done videos about it and told them why we had to because of sustainability issues. There's there's something not super scary about growth if you still have your finger on the pulse of your mm-hmm. business. And there is a way to grow. Like I would hope that everybody would, would want me to have Skin Owl out of my home so that I could have a work-life balance. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are factories that just fill the product and it's your formulations and they, they'll just fill the jars and the bottles. Um, I think there's like... It's a very, there's a lot of complexities, but I also think it's a really, dy- growth is a really dynamic thing mm-hmm. when you're a small company because it doesn't mean that you're a sellout.
1: That's true. And a great thing nowadays is that multinational companies are they have that green beauty awareness within themselves as well. So they do want to jump in that bandwagon Mm -hmm. or trend because they also need to grow themselves. They can't just be stuck in the dark ages.
0: Yeah. I think like when we were growing up, I'll say for myself, when I was growing up, it was all about high pigment, high performance, long wear, the NARS, the Mac, the, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. All of these kind of like studio brands. And now it's like the integrity and the story And the journey is so important Mm -hmm. behind the beauty business that it's like so many brands want to work with you to keep the integrity of your company. Like there's I think it's like it's so one sided to think that everybody who wants you to grow wants the worst for you. There's a lot of people who want the best for you and also want to be invested in your growth. So I am open to it. I think like an immediate thing would be, let's get this business out of my house and let's outsource some of the manufacturing um, or at least have my team do it, but do it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And like the marketing, PR, all of content, we're covered with that. It would really just be the logistical stuff Mm -hmm. that like I think should happen at some point, especially if you want to have a family.
1: Especially keep up with the demands of all the orders. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How did you start Skin Were you, um, did you have a side hustle or this was your side hustle? Did you use up all your savings? What was the capital? I mean, savings,
0: that's such a funny word. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a temporary word. Um, I was, so I left Longcomb because of my skin issues, and once I kind of had a little bit more education. I mean, I'm not going to hate on Lancome. I learned so much from them and their education and training team. There are things that I still put into Skin Owl, um, like the things that I learned this day and age. Um, and but I just I couldn't continue to use the product. And so I actually left and I was always good at sales and I loved connecting with people. So I wound up working for a handbag company mm-hmm. and I was their sales director and I traveled all around, pretty much all around the United States trying to get handbags in different boutiques. They were like these handmade leather bags and whatever, so on and so on. Anyways, that company was shut down after two and a half years and, um, um, and Skin Owls was kind of this formulation in my brain around the last four months of that company being alive. And I would do my job and then I would go home and I would like try and think of a logo or manage this Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know. I was just like doing all the little things, like just mm-hmm. trying to create a little bit of a buzz or do like a landing page or get people to PayPal me for the product. Mm-hmm. And, um, when that company went under, I was like, mm, maybe this is an opportunity and like an open door. And so I started walking dogs mm-hmm. and saving money and I got severance from that company when it closed, which was minimal, but it was like, I think like $9,000. Um, and all of that went into skin all, all of it. And it was like gone in 60 seconds. But, yeah. um, I tried to spread it out for as long as I could. And, uh, luckily I had like a cheap rent and, I don't know. It was by the grace of God that it all worked out.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. What are the lessons that you've learned along the way? Because I know, you know, you always think, oh, the overnight success. But we all know that there's no such thing as overnight success. Mm -hmm. And it looks all glitz and glamour because we're all in the beauty industry. Cute content, all these cute photos and (laughs) things that we post online and cute products. But what really goes behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean... I,
0: I'm a huge believer that slow and steady wins the race to begin with. I think mm-hmm. like anybody who's ever gotten to a hot and heavy relationship, you know, fast in fast out. That's kind of how I feel you go in like super intense. You're probably going to go out super intense yeah. um, or abruptly. And so slow and steady. The idea of that has always been very seductive to me mm-hmm. because I don't, you know, I don't know what I feel about skin owl. I don't know how I want to grow this thing. Mm -hmm. If I was to grow it quickly, maybe I would make decisions that didn't align with what I actually want for the company. You know, maybe I would have sold it earlier. Maybe I would have brought on a partner because I would have been so scared because of the quick growth. Like I'm so happy that I didn't have the money to grow. And I'm so happy and grateful that, um, I was a little, you know, strapped for cash in terms of growing the actual SKUs Mm -hmm. and inventory. Um, it's given great, uh, allowances, I think in my life to just take my time and be very intentional about what this company is. Um, and there were so many people that wanted to partner early on cause they were like, you have no business experience, Annie, like you need a partner, like you're going to need help along the way. And I almost took on one of them. And then immediately I, we like disagreed upon something that was so based on my alignment. And I was like, nah, I'm just going to stick to this by myself.
1: (laughs) And I think the important thing is to have that, um, to nurture that community that you already have anyway. That's really what's important. You know, the Mm -hmm. business sometimes, of course, like it's important to have all the skills and the techniques, but the consumers themselves are what drives your business. Yes. You have to listen to them. Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, we have, I have to say, there are people that are like on our Instagram that have been with us for five years, five and a half years. We, what I hope that skin owl is putting out into the world is that like the goal is not perfection. Uh, We don't want you to be perfect. We want you to come as you are. You can absolutely sit with us. Um, We are girls, girls, guys, girls. Like we want the best for people. And my, I have a deep vested interest in the over, over like just, everybody's happiness. And I think that like, if, and not in a way that's like, I want you to be happy before I'm happy. It's not this like overcompensatory approach to wanting people to be happy, but is there a way that I can connect with people on a deeper level so that they feel heard so that they feel loved and that they feel cared for. And, um, I think skincare is the catalyst to start that conversation. So if I can present someone with a product that they can take care of their skin with, or maybe get rid of their acne with, or love themselves a little bit more, could that open up the conversation towards, you know, something more impactful in their life or, um, a vulnerability or, or something that maybe they didn't have before. And that's my, uh, that's my interest. And that is my, I think power is being able to make people feel comfortable and having them kind of arrive in a place psychologically that they weren't before.
1: Mm -hmm. You talk about, you know, um, giving impact to people. You have the parliament project and off the record podcast. Talk to me about the parliament project and your podcast. Oh my
0: gosh. Um, so I think like, well, I'll say this probably year two or three. I was like, okay, how can we take this skincare thing to like the next level? And, um, much like there's a school of fish or a murder of crows or these groupings, a group of owls is called a parliament. And a project is known as a work in progress. And so I wanted to take you know i think when you're dealing with people on a skincare level and you're in you're diving deep into the customer service emails you'll very quickly see that it's so rarely a conversation about how they feel about their skin and so much a conversation about how they feel about themselves mm. because of how their skin looks and bad skin turns into a bad attitude and not a lot of hope and it's the first thing people see i've gone down that road myself and it was hard and i wanted someone to understand me more than the big department store brands were so skin owl and the parliament project serve as an opportunity for us to get to know people on a deeper level, you know, not so skin deep. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is a dinner collective that happens every two months. Um, it's small and intimate. There is usually a wait list for it, but people apply sometimes, um, we just invite people that we think are moving and shaking, not giving themselves a pat on the back, uh, not giving themselves time to process their lives. And we invite them to a dinner table, um, between 20 and 30 people. And we break bread. There's a table question. It's farm to table food. It's nourishing anti-inflammatory foods. We do like a 90 minute psychological workshop that has ranged from, you know, active listening to shedding shame to, um, you know, bonding with people that you've never met before. And it's this like-minded group of people. It's almost like the the Parliament Project has found the people that need this. Mm -hmm. So we're not missionaries out trying to get every skin owl customer to be a part of the Parliament Project. But if this is something that you need in your life, like you need a pause and you need some stillness and you just need to check in with yourself and feel like, you know, I don't want my life to pass me by that's who the Parliament Project, uh, like, beckons. And it is it is an incredible experience. You, I mean, mostly in this day and age where people don't have the undivided attention of other people and don't get to just stand up and talk during the table mm-hmm. question about their childhood for 30 seconds to five minutes. The, what comes out of people's mouths, it's usually followed by tears. I mean, we have a po- a poet there who writes poems for people. We do dessert. It's an open bar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's all the senses are are, like... Um, moving and so because our tagline is where skincare becomes self-care the Parliament Project is the self-care aspect of the brand
1: that sounds amazing because I know like living in LA I know if you've experienced it it's like we're just always on the go we forget (laughs) to just like take care of ourselves sometimes activities like this and get togethers you kind of have to force yourself to attend to one you're like okay I think I need this you have to actually be cognizant and actually aware -aware self-aware that you have to schedule a timeout for yourself. Yes. And I think that's a great thing with Parliament Project.
0: Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's it's a quiet power. I think like there's a wellness event every single night in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. There's 70,000 of them a night. And so this isn't just like showing up somewhere, doing some yoga, feeling really good and stretched out, you know, eating something gluten free, getting a goodie bag and going home. Yeah. This is, this is, there's an energy because of, it's a qualified Attendee. Mm -hmm. These are all people who need and are wanting the same thing in their life, which is, as you said, that pause, that stillness, reflection, real silence. And with Instagram and work, and then, you know, Mm -hmm. the needs of your children and your dog and your husband or your partner, like, there's just not a lot of time for you Mm -hmm. to just be. And the Parliament Project allows people to just kind of. Be And like not watched and not judged. And um it's an unbelievable thing to witness. And every time someone comes, they leave saying like, I never thought that I could feel that way. Yeah. So, yeah, that's like one of the most special things in my life. Do
1: you screen the people that want to attend?
0: Yeah, we have. I mean, there's an application process. Mm-hmm. People have to answer 10 questions that just that right out of the gate, I think weeds some people out. Cause people don't, some yes. people don't want to be introspective and that's all good. Like mm-hmm. I wish sometimes I was more like that ignorance is bliss, <laughs> but then you have people that are answering like, you know, what are, what are some of the ways that you stand in your way as an adult? You know, what are some of the things about you as a child that, um, when you think about make you tear up, like these are questions that some people just don't want to answer. Mm-hmm. And so I think the application weeds people out in a sense. Um, And that lives openly on skinowl.com. I mean, anybody can apply at any time. We don't know when those applications are going to come through. And sometimes we see people like, you know, in the analytics, they approach the application and then they're gone (laughs) and we never see them again. So it's like, I think uh, at this point after having this is now our, our we have one tomorrow. It's our seventh one tomorrow. And um I think it's like, can we open this up to the public and not have people apply and just give people a taste? And so we just opened the ticket line up to the public and yeah, tomorrow will be people I I've, I've, have no idea. I mean, I mean yeah, it's like yeah. such a risk, but I'm like, let's do this. Let's just see what it brings in.
1: That's amazing. I mean, you never know until you try it Mm -hmm. out, right? Yeah. And we contact them and we
0: offer them like, you know, we get like their photos. So we know that they're the person (laughs) that purchased the ticket and we get like, um, you know, there's some kind of Q&A back and forth Mm -hmm. once they buy the ticket. But it'll be, yeah, every Parliament project is different. And that's what's so cool. It's like the people that need, they don't know what the theme is when they attend. But then the people who come, Mm -hmm. it's like they needed that theme after all.
1: Yeah. So with Skin and the Parliament Project, what made you start off the record podcast?
0: Insanity, I think, would be the. It's like I didn't have enough to do, but I was like, hey, let's just right throw one more thing you.
1: into the mix. <laughs> that Something sounds that like us. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: I think... Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was a kid and uh, I told you this earlier, but I grew up in D.C. and Howard Stern was in D.C. when I was a child. And my dad would drive me to school and we'd listen to Howard Stern. He'd turn down the naughty parts. And Mm -hmm. um, I will never forget listening to him and, um, you know, Oprah and David Letterman and um, James Lipton and these people who just there was such a calm interviewing it's like I didn't even feel like they were interviewing people they were just so gifted at being able to have people they at extracting information and getting the soul and the real sides of people Mm. on the table and I didn't realize it until starting a podcast that that was a dream that I had given up on because it's like how many people get to be Howard Stern how many people get to be Oprah like that's why they are who they are because there's one um and then I just like realize that my entire life I've been connecting with people. I've been talking with people when my friends would be like hooking up with guys in college. I would be the person (laughs) that was like, we just talked all night (laughs) and I got their entire life story. (laughs) And my friends were like, Oh, that's cool. But it was always just, (laughs) I I could always lead with conversation in a way that I couldn't with like sexuality. Yeah. (laughs) So it was like, wait a minute, I've been doing this my entire life. Like I think that I could make something of this. And I don't I honestly don't know what started. Mm-hmm. It's like I wasn't even a podcast listener. I listened yeah. to Chris D'Elia's podcast like <laughs> probably every week. But other than that, I had never really listened to anybody's podcast. I was just like, I think I can do this. Yeah. And I feel like skincare, I'm not able to say everything I want to say mm-hmm. through product. And the Parliament Project is such a small group of people every two months. So like, let's let's like have the messaging be a little let's cast
1: a wider net that's true what was one memorable podcast guest or experience you've had oh my gosh um I mean my
0: husband comes on like every three to four episodes (laughs) and we are just so stupid and goofy with each other and I it's always memorable because it reminds me like about our union and like how comfortable we are with each other and how nobody in the world makes me laugh harder (laughs) but I will say there are two that stick out um, just briefly, one is Amy Duncan, the founder of Moellens. I think the podcast sometimes beckons people at a time that they need to talk about stuff. And people can listen to the episode to find out what that was in her life. But she was it was a very vulnerable moment for her. And I think mm-hmm. the podcast caught her right at a moment that she was ready to share. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was hard and I and it also made me kind of Work. I think, you know, if you've ever been in a situation where you hear someone talking about something hard, like you need to be able to steer the conversation. I think it made me a better interviewer to let her have moments of pause and cry and then be able to speak to the audience in a way that's like, you know, what we're listening to right now is super complex. We want to give these moments to our guests. It allowed me to be a little bit more off the cuff um, and not so we're asking questions and then I get an answer. And the other one is Kelly Levesque. She's the founder of Be Well by Kelly. Um, mm. She's like a you know, celebrity nutritionist and holistic coach. And it was the first time that she had ever told her birth story, which was mm. um, very scary. And I'm happy to say everything is her and her baby are completely fine now. But yeah. that was probably the most intense podcast. And that was a month ago mm. that I've ever recorded. Like I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to answer, you know, ask the next question.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely again, I already mentioned that I enjoy your episode with your parents. <laughs> They're just fun. <laughs> I think also for me, because um my parents growing up were very busy. So I always crave that conversation. I was yes. Like, oh, this is so nice to have it like actually recorded. And have actually you ever have, it- have you had your parents on? Before? no my, my mom is actually in the philippines okay and then my dad passed away when i was like 15 so i think just growing up i was not really like around them because yep. my mom was such a businesswoman, always like leaving me like by myself yep. not like it was a bad thing because i was just like oh she's just at home she's such a good girl she's not gonna go anywhere so totally <laughs> and i was like you know i have two older brothers that are like 10 years my senior oh my so gosh. it's like you know, I was well taken care of. So it's just like, I just probably that episode was really innocent, like was powerful to me because I was like, Oh, it made me feel like I was talking to like my parents. And that's a sense. so sweet. Yeah. That's so sweet. I yeah.
0: I mean, they, I think it was more of a posterity piece for them Mm, or like, you know, when they pass away, something that I could share with our child, you know, just to hear their voices. And I, they live back east. I'm on the West Coast. Mm, I never see them. And I think they they were so nervous. They were like, what are you going (laughs) to ask us? Are you going to like come for us for all the things that we did to you as a child? And I was like, well, what did you do to me as a child? Like, let's talk about it. But it just never really (laughs) went. It was just very, as you heard, like it was just innocent little stories and about how they met to their love story. So um, it sounded
1: like simple, but it was beautiful because simple because you can feel like I was telling my boyfriend, Michael, I was like, you just feel that they're so comfortable and just like satisfy with each other in life and it's like one of those things like as an adult you're like oh those are goals you know when you're older you just want to be like simple and happy you know yeah and then it's like that's what i felt from them such an innocent
0: time i mean they met when they were 15 i know so it's like you know now it's like my god you know to have a relationship that lasts that long and not feel like you've missed out on something else in life. It was just such a simple time. You know, women didn't have the same expectations for themselves. And men, I think, were probably a little bit more in tune with Mm -hmm. kind of what life was. But people were going off to war. You know what I mean? It was just a different time. Like, just easier in some respects and harder.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, here at Hello Beauty, we have a philosophy. It's say hello to the beauty in you. What advice can you give those who are trying to discover their beauty within?
0: Yeah, I love that question. I value that question uh, greatly. Um, I think this is what I can say. Um, For me, any power or confidence or... um, you know, kind of shedding the shame that I think we all have in life. There are things that everybody shames about themselves and they either do it in a joking way or they feel it in a serious way. All of that stuff goes away the more time I spend with myself. And I think like in order to find the beauty within, you've got to get away from the other voices and you've got to get into your own head and you've got to get off Instagram. You've got to get off social media. You've got to get off with broadcasting the beautiful moments in your life. And you've got to balance that with unbroadcasted moments, moments that nobody sees, Mm -hmm. moments that you'll never have proof that anybody likes it, or there's no engagement. It's just you kind of doing you. And whether that's taking a walk, you know, up, you know, throughout Griffith Park or going to go volunteer with dogs for the day or giving yourself a bath and doing all these face masks or traveling to Vietnam, you know, whatever it is like there needs to be a part of your life that is just your relationship with yourself. And it is the hardest thing to do, especially in this day and age when there's FOMO and people, there's a lot of value put on, um, you know, if there's a lot of value put on validation so if I do this and people like it, then I feel good about myself. And I think that there's a place for that in the world. But in order to find the beauty within, you've got you've to go within. You've got to go internal. And, um, you know, it's a muscle that I think people have to practice every day. You, it's not, you just don't arrive there. You're not like, I'm good at doing all these things with myself and like self-love box checked. Like you, I, in my opinion, it's something that like takes a lot of work. Yeah. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So what is your skincare routine and what do you actually do every day? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: Okay, so I actually keep it pretty simple, but I think I go through little moments where it's like I'm using like four Skin Owl products and then other times I'm using like one or two. Mm -hmm. Um, What I can say is I wake up, uh, I never wash my face in the morning. I splash my face with cold water. Um, I am pregnant now. So for me, the puffiness thing is like coming with a vengeance. So cold water just makes me feel, I think a little bit more awake, makes me feel a little bit more alive and it definitely depuffs my face. So I splash my face with cold water. Um, we have a mist it's, um, lemon gla- lemongrass and cucumber hydrosol. And so I just spray my face with lemongrass and, uh, it's called lemongrass beauty mist. And then I take like seven to 10 drops of the geranium beauty drops, the same freaking formulation that I've been using for years, lather it all over my face. And then, um, I don't wear sunscreen often. Mm -hmm. I have my certain views about sunscreen. I wear it when there's like deliberate sun, uh, or cloud cover and it's like extremely strong UVA, but in my research, and I won't get into it now, there's a whole other podcast on that, but, um, it's good for you to get some of the vitamin D because of how much we are using SPF, the vitamin Mm -hmm. D and like kind of like the happy sun vibes are not entering and it's changing people's moods. And, Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's like, you've got to get that sun right when you wake up, you've got to shine your eyes to the sky and like Mm -hmm. get that in. So no real sunscreen, if I'm honest. Um, and then I use a tinted moisturizer or, uh, like a light foundation by Kosas or, um pacifica and then just like minimal makeup yeah like lipstick mascara highlighter yeah that's cool. it well, and then at night i use the beauty whip and the Maci berry beauty drops cool. yeah, which is like the like dream duo that if you have like acne scars or hyperpigmentation or uneven texture and tone those two products that's oh, I like definitely gotta try that out it's insane yeah i brought them for you oh I have a goodie bag Exciting, yeah, Goodie bag It's all there
1: <laughs> Before I let you go What can they expect From Annie this year And also Skin Now Parliament project And off the record podcast Oh my god That's A well, lot of projects <laughs> Yeah there's
0: a lot of projects You can expect me to get um, lot, A lot larger mm-hmm. I am like 17 weeks pregnant And I honestly feel <laughs> like I am going to be Um waddling around within a few months here. I mean, I'm due in September. So, what people can expect from me is I'd like to take like just a little step back, you know what I mean, from all the work that I'm doing. There's three businesses that I'm running now, so I would just like to dig into being pregnant and like give myself to rest. Um people can continue hearing the podcast every week. That's something that I hope lasts forever. I love it. Parliament project is every 2 months. It's a perfect amount of time to like let people do the deep digging sometimes when you analyze too much it becomes a nuisance so we'll be doing that and then on the skincare front we're repackaging the line Um, we're going to streamline the line and just kind of make it the tried and true favorites plus a few surprises and and we're gonna get things hopefully out of the house this summer when we move to when we move the business like to an actual office. So exciting. Yeah, I'm super stoked.
1: Cool. Where can they find you? What are your social channels?
0: Awesome. Okay, so Instagram, it's at Skin Owl at the Parliament Project LA and off the record with you for the podcast and then just um info at skinowl. if you have info at skinowl.com if you guys have any questions about your skin you want us to help you out we are here for you we are like super fast in responding um you can also text us all our text number lives on the website so we can get back to you like asap and then just skin you can find everything through there
1: that's great thank you
0: thank you so much you're a joy
1: thank you for listening to this episode i love all your feedback and hearing from you if you enjoy this episode, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google, and wherever you listen your favorite podcasts. Writing the review is so important as these help with our rankings and allow more people to find us and spread the word of positive beauty. Thank you so much. Until next time.